Burning Zozo Written by Kristen Knight Narrated by Nancy Peterson 4.11 Immersion Splattered across the sliding glass door was what looked like an enormous burgundy Rorschach ink blot. You know how to use cold water on blood stains, right? Chen glanced at the splotched area rug below. Andy nodded slowly. What happened? A delivery person ran into the window. She wanted to see the pool and thought the glass door was open. Broke her nose. He handed over a spray bottle marked blood and a stack of rags. There are handprints on the glass. The maid pressed her hand against one. Like there was a struggle. Just a bad accident. She must have lost her balance. Chen steadied his voice to sound convincing. Once the blood is off, go ahead and clean the rest, inside and out. Mr. Adams has a dinner party here tonight. For his birthday? she asked, remembering the circled date in his appointment book. Birthday? Chen's brow furrowed. What do you mean? Nothing. Just curious. I'll get to work. Every few minutes, Chen checked Andy's progress on the security cameras. She was thorough and meticulous. She began in the upper left-hand corner, then carefully cleaned, dried, and buffed each square inch to the lower right. The multi-step process took longer than Andy had hoped. The distracting view didn't help. The lavender hills, coral sand, lush gardens, and cascading infinity pools were twice as vibrant and tempting behind the tinted glass. A long-legged man with wavy hair and bright eyes came into the kitchen to fill a water bottle. A chamois spilled from his jacket pocket. Oh, hi, he said, seeing Andy on her knees at the window. Hi, who are you? I'm Martin. He pressed the bottle into the water nook in the refrigerator door. Water trickled out. The new driver. I'm Andy, old maid. Martin chuckled. Andy smiled. She was going to like Martin. He was quick and kind of cute. Wait, new driver, where's Rand? I guess he quit, Martin sipped. Just walked out without notice. Really? Do you know why? Mr. Chen didn't say. He screwed the lid on the bottle. I just know he wasn't happy about it. Called Rand unprofessional and said he'd burned a bridge. That's so weird. Rand seemed like he was so loyal to Mr. Adams. Not loyal enough, I guess. Martin took a drink and wiped his mouth. Well, I better get back to work. See you around. See ya, Andy said, and turned back to cleaning. As the last bit of blood came off, she noticed some hair caught in the sliding door track. Golden brown, it was about four inches long and an inch wide, a good-sized chunk. She ran her finger across the handle to see if it was sharp enough to take off a chunk that big. 
The inside edge was jagged and sharp. She tucked the hair in her pocket and kept polishing. When Andy turned back to the glass, she noticed something dark in the pool. Square in shape, it looked like a patio cushion had fallen in. She opened the sliding glass door. Grabbing the cleaning net from the maintenance shed, she carried it to the edge of the water. But the closer she got, the more defined the shape became. Suddenly she realized it wasn't a pillow on the bottom of the pool. She dropped the pole and dove in. Andy kicked her black sneakers as hard as she could to get to the body wearing dark swim trunks and a bent stalk of wheat on its neck. The circled date in Arius's appointment book and the week of empty squares flashed in her mind. Perhaps this was why he'd scheduled no clients. Maybe it wasn't his birthday. It was the day he'd planned to end his loneliness permanently. Frantically, she grabbed his wrist, turned, and pushed off the bottom. He was heavy, and she had to fight to get him to the top. Andy broke the surface and sucked in the life-giving air, then turned to tuck her arm under Arius's chin. He was warm, like Emma with a fever. But as she rolled over, so did he, and casually opened his eyes. What? Andy sputtered and flapped backward. Andy, what are you doing? You scared the crap out of me. I thought you were drowning. He pushed his wet hair off his face. I was practicing. Practicing what? Killing yourself? Her voice sounded hysterical, even to herself. Breathing techniques for a diving trip. But you were down so long, I... How are you still alive? I was only down for 21 seconds. He held up a Hublot diving watch as proof. Andy treaded harder to keep her head up. No, you couldn't have been. I've been cleaning the windows for nearly an hour and would have seen you get in. You must have gone for fresh towels or glass cleaner at just the right moment. I was right there cleaning the whole time. She pointed to her place by the window. Well, since it's not humanly possible for anyone to hold their breath for that long, you must have just missed me, he said calmly. That's the only logical, possible explanation, right? Andy gazed at his eyes, pink from chlorine. I... I guess, she said weakly. I'm sorry I frightened you. He tenderly touched her shoulder. Are you okay? I think so. Good. I'm going to practice a bit longer. Chen will find you something dry to change into. Arius's dressing room was bigger than Andy's entire house. It was lined with closets, including a washer and dryer, ten dressers, a desk with a computer, three security monitors, and two dressing tables that held long leather boxes, all monogrammed with A-C-A. Chen pulled a pair of jeans from one of the ten dressers and held them to Andy's hips. These look like they should fit. He reached back in the dresser and pulled out a vintage Who t-shirt with a red, white, and blue target in the middle. 
Here. Andy took the shirt, careful not to step off the white towel where she dripped. Whose top is this? It's a women's size. It was left behind, he said. Left by whom? Chen pulled lime green flip-flops from a nearby closet. A guest. For once, Andy didn't ask the question she was hungry to ask. The one printed on the shirt in her hand. Instead, she said, Mr. Chen, where is Mr. Adams going on his diving trip? Diving? Chen feigned ignorance. Yes, the one he was practicing for when I jumped in the pool after him. Chen looked at her, stiffened, and flatly answered, Ah, uh, Australia. Barrier Reef, I assume. Are you going with him? Not that I know of. So he's going alone? Chen nodded slowly, tired of her questions. She shook her head. I still don't know how I could have missed him getting in the pool. I'll leave you to get dressed. The wet smock suctioned to Andy's skin as she peeled it off. The tea was comfortably dry and a perfect fit, but the jeans were too long, so she rolled them up. A movie ticket stub and a piece of chewed gum and a silver wrapper were in the front pocket. Andy went to drop the items into a nearby incinerator bin. Then Chen knocked, startling her. She tucked the trash in her pocket and gathered up her wet clothes in the towel. Come in, she said. I was right about the fit. Good, Chen said. Mr. Adams asked me to give you this. He handed Andy a crisp linen envelope, her name written in black ink on the front. What is this? An invitation? For me? She quickly tore open the flap. Chen left her to read. Andy, while I'm gone, Chen will be having the air conditioning fixed. So there's no need for you to come and clean. I would, however, like you to work on some contract work from home, if you will. Included in this note is a flash drive. It contains some material I'd like you to read on contract law and four pending deals I'd like you to redline. I'm sorry I won't be available to answer questions, except by email, but I'm sure you'll do a stellar job without me. I don't know how long I'll be gone. Please, take good care of yourself while I'm away. Arius. Instructions, she muttered. For his employee. Just his employee. She looked in the envelope again. And nothing about my father. She tucked the flash drive in her pocket, crushed the note, and tossed it into the red chute. Warm breath rose from the chute as the fire below swallowed the card whole. At home, Andy unrolled her wet clothes and emptied the pockets. The lock of hair came out in one hand, damp and tangled. She pulled the gum and ticket stub from her loner jeans with the other. Andy stood over her trash can, ready to throw the items out, discard them, along with the mounting wave of gossip around Arias and the growing jealousy she felt towards anyone who spent time alone with him.
But habit got the best of her, and they were evidence of some rendezvous she wanted to know more about. So she unlocked the dresser drawer and pulled out an envelope, slid the wet hair, movie ticket, and silver-papered gum inside, and sealed it shut. 4.12. In the Dark That night, Shane's friends huddled around the kitchen table. Beer, chips, and salsa scattered on the blue surface like a board game. It was odd to have his friends in the house without Shane. He'd always been the glue, the peacemaker. Liz, on the other hand, was polarizing. People either hated her or didn't. So for her to take on Shane's calm tone was odd for everyone. Really, I don't want you to put your own families at risk just to try to help us. We'll make ends meet somehow. Please, come on. After everything you and Shane have done for us, just let us help, Sal said. The room went quiet at the mention of Shane's name. For a few seconds, the sound of Jenna's painting music behind her door was all they could hear. Then Anna said, How is he? Liz sighed long and hard. He's going to trial. Has the date been set? Tina asked. Not yet. But he wasn't involved. He's innocent, so he'll get off, Dante said. I'm sure he'll get off. Liz said, he's considered an accessory to murder. And he ran. And it doesn't really matter what his intent was. They can convict him on his actions. Or lack of action. Well, what about the other guys? Dante asked. They better stand up for him. Take the heat. They've served their time and moved on. It's been so long, I don't know if they'll even be able to find them. More beer bottle caps pinged the sides of the metal trash can than the floor, missing their target. So, what about the whole ID card mess? Liz changed the subject. Are you planning to register or protest or what? Protest, Sal said. And you're not afraid you'll be arrested? We decided to do it sort of like a prayer vigil with candles and signs. No shouting, no pushing, Tina said. We are hoping to make our point safely that way. You really think candles will change anything? Liz's acerbic tone returned. What other choice do we have? Anna said. I just... I guess I'm a little jaded at this point, Liz said. I mean, the law is a mess. It serves no one. Not the immigrants or the citizens. She pushed out her chair and opened the fridge. And the politicians just seem like a bunch of spoiled Ivy League idiots to me. I mean, aren't they supposed to be professional negotiators and problem solvers? Isn't that their entire job? I think they only know how to fluff their feathers and finger point. She pulled the orange sippy cup out and took a swig. Disgusts me. Do you think they'll actually pay attention to candles? Well, 
We have to start somewhere, Sal said. And we don't want to stir up more trouble. Liz chuckled and gulped. You sound like my husband. Then her voice hushed. My incarcerated husband. The group went quiet again. Don't worry, Liz. We'll help out, Anna said. How's Emma? She was doing better, but tonight she's hot again. I've heard of pneumonia cycling back like that, but not bronchitis, which is what the clinic said she had. It's like the antibiotics they gave me only worked for a few days. Even the weird red spots on her neck are back. So strange. I'm taking her to the clinic again as soon as she wakes up. Maybe it's the flu they've been talking about on the news, Anna said. What flu? You haven't seen? Dante asked. No, my TV's uh, on the fritz. She meant pond. Twenty or so people have this fever with a rash that the docs think might be some mutated form of rheumatic fever, Tina reported. It's not responding to regular treatments. The Franco's little one has it. Liam? Oh, dear. I'll have to call over there tomorrow. Just then, the kitchen light died, then the hum of the fridge, and Jenna's music. Shane's friends moaned. Where's your circuit box, Lise? Dante asked. In the hall. Dante's meaty footsteps followed Liz's lighter ones into the hallway. Dante opened the circuit box. I don't... I don't feel any breakers that are out. Let me try these. He reset all the breakers with tight click-clacks. Nothing. No lights. Power must be out around town, Liz said. Must be. Dante politely played along. He knew as well as Liz did that the power had been shut off for lack of payment. Shane's friends said goodbye and shuffled out the front door, lights from the neighbor's porch offering a view to their cars. After the final bang of the screen door, the Scoggin kids groped their way to the kitchen where they congregated in a clump in the dark. No one asked about the power or even said a word because by the light of the southwestern moon, they saw, for the first time in their lives, their mother sitting at the kitchen table, sobbing. Wet hair from the rain, wet eyes from the pain, but you still say you can't complain. Sore throat makes you choke on all the memories you wrote down in your brain. Another night in the cold without a home to call your own. The snowflakes chill your fragile bones. 
And all the cars they pass you by Try not to look you in the eye But you're still running out of time And at night you lie there sleepless Missing the way it was When morning comes you're up and gone Trying just to keep yourself warm Do you remember being 18? Dancing as a prom queen Feeling as though nothing could go wrong And now you're only 20 Holding up your baby Singing him your mother's favorite song And you carry on and just hold on A broken watch upon your wrist You watch the sunset as it dips behind the lake Your hair has fallen in your eyes It's getting hard to recognize your gentle face You hold a sign above your head Says give whatever you can give The darkness washes over you There's simply nothing you can do You pack your things and you pull through And at night you lie there sleepless Missing the way it was When morning comes you're up and gone Trying just to keep yourself warm Do you remember being 16? Crying in your ripped jeans Wishing you could leave and just move on And one day you were 18 Dancing as the prom queen Feeling as though nothing could go wrong And now you're only 20 you down you feel you can't get off the ground but keep your feet moving ahead and leave your footprints in the stead and soon everything you see will all be just a memory and you'll be free to remember being 16 crying in your jeans, wishing you As you keep your family warm And you carry on And just hold on